Welcome in to Dragon Ball Super Dope. My name is Kyle. Thank you for checking this out. Anniversary month, my friends. We have a very special episode, a very special guest for this month. Finally, long awaited, Geekdom 101, Emperor Big D. Danny, welcome to Superdome, man. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Doing pretty well, man. I'm glad we finally got the scheduling together and made this thing happen. Yes, yes. I'm always down to talk about whatever. Well, yeah, we talked about doing this, I think, maybe around COVID, the beginning of COVID, but we couldn't make it happen for scheduling reasons. You're a very busy guy. I'm running around like a chicken with my head cut off with how many shows I'm trying to manage at the moment, but... I wanted to, A, it's five years for Super Dope this month, so I'm trying to do a handful of special extra episodes, and uh, this one was definitely on the wish list to do, but I wanted to bring you in to talk generally about, um, you know, what the Granola Arc is. We've been coming up uh, on the end of the Granola Arc seemingly for the last six months, but it seems right. like it's finally in sight, and then kind of the future of Dragon Ball Super as uh, it will return as an anime, hopefully sooner rather than later, but... For each of these uh, special guest interviews I get to do with Dragon Ball content creators, I do like to start it off with a general, like, getting to know you as a Dragon Ball fan uh, round of questions. So um, it typically, uh, it's kind of standard, but I feel like it's it's useful to help people get to know what you like about Dragon Ball, what you love about Dragon Ball. So right out the gate, what would you say your favorite Dragon Ball arc is? My favorite Dragon Ball arc, and first of all, I think we have our hats are both representing the same company, so that's damn right. That's good. Yeah, I, mean, I have I've that hat too, actually. <laughs> I've got the traitorous hat here, but we won't be using that today. That's a good one. Uh, but right, my favorite arc um, in Dragon Ball is the twenty third Tenkaichi Budokai, which would be the end of Dragon Ball, the original before Z, which would be the um, the, the the first time Goku grows up. And the fight with Demon King Piccolo's offspring or reincarnation Piccolo that we know him as, Ma Jr. That's my favorite arc. Um, that's the only arc, anime-wise, anime-wise, that is the only arc where every single episode is like five stars. Like, I rewatched it again last year. Every single episode of that arc is like five stars. And that's rare. That's rare for any show. I would say the Saiyan Saga is almost that saying saga is probably my second favorite as far as like quality goes um because i think almost and we're talking about the anime just manga is great but i think the anime version's better because the filler they add is actually good in the saying saga um and i think most of those episodes are either between four stars or five stars especially once we get to the fighting and all that gohan training stuff i love and then um but when you get to the frieza arc there are some episodes that feel like they drag on. There's a lot of waste of time. Starts to lose quality. I love the cell arc too because it's got all these things I love, like you know, robots and time travel. And I'm into all that stuff even before I got into Dragon Ball. Um, but um it's got issues, it's got a lot of issues, uh, 100%. but it has great moments. It's like the high highs of the cell saga kind of beat almost all of Dragon Ball. But I don't know, man, 23rd Budokai. We have so many things happen. We have the Tenshin Han meeting up with Tao for the first time in years. He's a cyborg now, coming back for revenge on both him and Goku, playing back. Because the thing about that arc is it could have legit been the end of Dragon Ball because it literally ties in all the loose ends from the previous God knows how many manga chapters and episodes. The return of Piccolo, the return of Chi-Chi for the first time in, in forever, 
reconciling the marriage thing. Uh, Krillin learns how to fly. You know, there's just Goku grows up and then he eventually becomes a husband. Like, And then, of course, God comes down from heaven. Kami possesses the body of a mortal man. Like, There's so many things going on. And it, it, I'll be honest with you, it does really irk me when somebody has only seen Z because they're missing that arc. They're missing a lot, but that arc in particular is the most like Z. And I think it does everything better than Z. Uh, there's no transformations, which I don't know a lot of people go crazy for, but it's straight up a hybrid of martial arts action and, and the stakes get bigger and bigger. So I know it's a long answer, but uh, I love that arc. That's my favorite one. No, and I think that arc is really emblematic of what people tend to like about Dragon Ball as a whole. Like the martial arts hijinks of it. There's still Everything. some comedic aspects, but it's elevated to a new height with the return of Piccolo. Um, and we kind of talked about this a little bit before we hit record. But like sometimes when you talk to fans who grew up on the dub, they're the ones who are more likely to tell you, actually, I didn't watch Dragon Ball. I skipped right to Dragon Ball Z. And from a narrative perspective, I mean, I guess you can do that if that's how it was released in the country you were born in. but. You're missing so much quality pre, I don't want to say backstory because it's the story in, uh, you know, a narrative order, a canonical order. It's the so like, first half of the story, really. Yeah. It's like, it's like starting with Empire Strikes Back and not with Star Wars. Yes, Empire Strikes Back might be the better movie. Most film critics will tell you that, but that does not disqualify Star Wars as being the, the, the foundation. And I think people just get the wrong idea. They, they get hooked on, on Z's like, you know, visuals and on Z's uh, aesthetics and Dragon Ball has a different aesthetic for the most part. But it, like you said, it really is the first half of the story. And the problem is that if you're a fan, I can engage with any Dragon Ball fan as long as they're cool and they're nice. But like, if you're a fan who hasn't seen it, it's difficult to really like really talk about this because you're going to be missing context. But one of the things I've been really happy with is lately on Twitch, I've been streaming a lot of the Japanese movies and episodes and some people have never seen them or they've only seen them dubbed or seen them one time. And what I do is I'll stream it and then I'll pause it and I'll talk about like the animator or what was going on at the time. It's really my favorite thing to do, to be honest with you now, because it's, it's going back to the good dragon ball. I'm not saying super is terrible, but there's some parts of it that are, it doesn't compare to the, to the original series, dragon ball and Z we've been able to go back and watch it. Uh, and that's twitch.tv slash geekdom. Oh, no, Big D Geekdom 101. That's my Twitch channel. Uh, and so once in a while, I'll play games, but I'll also watch the show. And I'll, I'll, and there's people who have only seen a dub. And I convert so many people by explaining to them, okay, like, the dub missed this context. Like you, and so I think if people really, and I, I'm a big warrior for this. I am not here to ruin someone's nostalgia or their childhood. I feel like if you're one of those people that says so-and-so ruined my childhood, you've got issues because nothing can ruin your childhood. You know what I mean? Except for like if something dramatic happens in your childhood, that's a real life thing. George Lucas with Phantom Menace didn't ruin his original three movies. They're still great movies. So like when it comes to Dragon Ball, it's about I want people to watch everything and really understand and appreciate it. I think if they saw everything in the right way, I think that they would become bigger fans of it. That, and that's the truth. I really feel that way because that's what happened to me. And I've seen it happen to so many others. When Super came out, many folks saw it pirated in Japanese. First time they heard Nozawa, first time they heard, uh, you know, the Japanese cast. And a lot of them did change over. They still love Shemmel and Sabbath, but a lot of them did kind of say, okay, you know what? Let's give this a chance. 
and um, it really has helped. So, hundred percent. So, twenty uh, third Budokai. That's definitely a great arc, brother. Uh, who we, uh, this this could be the same answer for two questions. So I'll ask you this one first. Who would you say is your favorite villain throughout all of Dragon Ball? You know the answer to that question, and it's Frieza because I have a Frieza-like avatar. That's everywhere. what I thought you were going to say. So I also almost amended the question to who would you say your favorite character is overall throughout Frieza. Dragon Ball? Also Frieza. Why yeah. would you say you identify with Frieza so much? Okay, wait, hold on. Hold on. I don't identify with Frieza in that I don't condone his actions. Got it. I just want to make sure we were clear on that. The yeah, reason I could have used a better love... word than identify. My bad. <laughs> no, no, no. It's all good, man. But like, that's a good question. It's not because I think people like, oh, well, my favorite character is Gohan or Vegeta, and that's fine. But uh, the reason why I like Frieza is he's so damn entertaining for me. Like, he is basically, he's a very complex character compared to what people think he is. He's this really immature you know, pompous, aristocratic asshole. Can I say that on here? Yeah, man, swear away. Fuck. Okay. So yeah, I just did it for you. <laughs> you just did it for me. But like, you see what I'm saying? Like this guy is, um, he's, he's, he's basically a representation of what a white slave owner was back in the day. And the Saiyans are his slaves. And like, he, he, the thing I love about him and this, this context was lost in a lot of the dubs, not just the English one, this was lost in multiple dubs because of the fact that the way Toriyama writes Frieza in the Japanese manga, he uses a very formal way of typing katakana and kanji. Because for in, in Japanese, like when you're reading it, it's different than English because you can kind of tell what's like a formal speech based on how they have their, their katakana laid out. So he talks very proper. He's very like, um, like when he first shows up and threatens the Namekians, he's like, well, I wouldn't want anything bad to happen to you. And, you know, we're just here to help. Like, he's very manipulative, and I love that about him. But then when you when you start digging into his real character, ultimately, he's a coward. And I don't relate to Frieza at all in that, but he's so entertaining. He's so interesting. Like, his transformations, like, so he's my favorite. Now, that's not to say I don't love other characters, because when I was in high school, for example, my favorite villain used to be Majin Buu, because... I was a heavy guy. I, I, you know, for most of my life, I was a heavy guy and uh, I was a fat guy. And when I was in high school, I was really fat. And Majin Buu comes along, fat guy, owns everybody for multiple episodes, nearly half that arc. Everyone's favorite guy, Vegeta, ends up getting clowned by Majin Buu when Buu wraps him up and does the MMA ground and pound on him. It's very enjoyable. Show that to Vegeta fans, you know, and it's just fun. But as I got older, I got to love Frieza more. I like the bad guys. Like I, I, it's not that I'm, I relate to him, but I love a good villain can make a story. Cell's a great villain, too. He has his own complexities. I think Frieza, my opinion, I think Frieza's basically like what Demon King Piccolo was, but a little bit better. I think, in my opinion, I think Toriyama made him better than King Piccolo, probably because of the backstory with Goku's heritage and how all that tied in together. You know what I mean? So that's, that's what I think. Yeah. And it's also just sort of a, a further escalation of the King Piccolo thing. And like the terms of the grander scale, it's like demon King Piccolo of the planet earth. And now it's the emperor Lord Frieza of the entire universe who owns and destroys planet and sells them off at a whim. So it's like the next graduated level up in terms of the dramatics of it. Um, yeah. I agree right. with you, man. I think Frieza is my favorite character or not character. I should say villain as well. And who's I think your favorite character? character honestly man it changes from day to day i'm one of those i love goku i love vegeta i love future trunks 
And I like all on, of them. Yeah. On any given day, I could give you that one like without even thinking about it. I'm like, I love Goku, duh. But it, it's probably between those three. I mean, I just love like the um the eternal optimism for the most part of Goku. And uh I really like the I like Vegeta more and more as he became more integrated into the group of characters and like the dynamic he and Goku have with one another, even though Vegeta you know, kind of silently hates him. He also loves and respects him toward the latter half of the series. So like seeing the dynamics between characters has always been some of my favorite stuff, but Goku being who he is in episode one versus, uh, of, of Dragon Ball versus who he is at the end of episode 131 of Dragon Ball Super, largely the same guy. And I love him for that. Yeah. He, he learned along the way, but, uh, yeah, he never, he never sold himself out, you know? And I think, there's a lot of there's a lot of like misinterpretation. Like the other day on Twitter, I saw this guy and I didn't get involved because one of the things I've kind of learned not to do is I don't like to get involved with people who are already getting like, OK, one of the problems with social media is that people jump on others and dogpile them. Now, it's happened to me. It's happened to my friends. It's happened to my enemies. But um, this guy basically wrote a comment like, I can't believe Goku let his own son fight Cell. And, and whenever people write that, like, I could easily go in there and correct him on why he doesn't know what he's talking about. But when people write stuff like that, I don't think they're dumb. It's just that they fail to understand what was really going on. And uh, a lot of it might have to do with the fact that it's not even the dub's fault. A lot of it has to do with the fact they haven't watched these episodes in 20 years, you know? And, and to me, like, one of the things that bugs me is that people are very defensive. And I've been this way, too. Listen, I have been this way, too. I am guilty of it, too. Uh, if you haven't seen Dragon Ball Z in 20 years and you're talking to a guy who literally has made a living covering it, it's time to be humble. I don't go to LeBron James and ask and tell him I can dunk a basketball better than him. It's not even, and that's not an ego thing. That's just how it is. Like you have to know your strengths and weaknesses. And for somebody to say that, now I thought about saying something, but I didn't because all it would do was add to the dog pile, give it more attention. I let it go. It's something I've been learning to do lately because dude, it's bad out there. It's really bad out there. That's um, gross, Because re though, real that's fans gross. know. Yeah. And I'm probably going to, one of the videos I've had planned for a long time and I haven't executed it yet. And it's, it's because I'm a little apprehensive. There's two videos I have planned in my head that I'll tell you about. Cause even if you were to do the video or somebody watches we're doing, you're not going to do it like me. I was going to do a video explaining the dragon ball canon because that's probably the biggest misconception in the entire series. And is Goku a bad father? Cause that's another big like debating point. And I, and there's points that can be stated to go both ways. But I think a lot of it is misinterpretation of who Goku is and stuff like that. There's a lot of things that were lost in translation, even, even in Kai, you know what I mean? So you just hit on something pretty interesting. The Goku is a bad father. That's being a dead horse. In my opinion, we've been looking at those memes for almost two decades Forever. now, right? Uh, what you just said though, about what's Canon in dragon ball is an interesting topic to me. I oddly just did an episode about it about a month ago. And I kind of just explained it how I view it. Like, I'm not going into the deep research mode that you'll do before you looked into your video. It's me 
spitballing for right, 45 minutes. Right, your thoughts, and that's but, fine, yeah. But I'm trying to, like, work through how I've always interpreted what canon was. And back in the day, it was very clear-cut what was and wasn't canon. Was it in the It was easier manga? back in the day. But now, since Super came back, I mean, the it, it becomes very diluted or, like, very kind of confusing as to what to take as canon, right? Because it comes back as a movie. It's not a comic book. It's not the creator's original medium. But it's story and art and designs by Akira Toriyama. So we are meant to take that as canon. We get two of those movies. The anime comes back. Still, no comic in sight. They do a retelling of those stories. Two different versions of the same story. Which of those am I to believe to be canon? And then a right. third version of those stories comes out when they finally decide to restart the manga. And it's like, I, I can totally understand why people are confused. So the reason that I Me did too. the episode in the first place is that's always been how I felt about it since Super came back. Like, this is confusing for people. I can get why. But the idea that um, what's currently going on in the manga as one event and then the events of Dragon Ball Super, Superhero being its own. I can't remember who said it, but they basically said it's like parallel events. And I think people took it as parallel timelines, as in. Gohan and Piccolo are the strongest in this timeline, and they're fighting Cell, and this is the biggest battle. Meanwhile, over here in the manga, it's like, we haven't gotten to that point yet, but uh, Granola and Goku and Vegeta, that thing's still happening. We'll see if we get to Cell. And I don't think that that's it. I think it's like different Dragon Ball, quote-unquote, events that will eventually factor into the greater canon story whenever they decide what that's going to be. I, I imagine it'll result in like a... Uh, I don't know, like a Dragon Ball Z Shippuden sort of situation where it's like, or even a Dragon Ball Z Kai would be the most uh, appropriate <laughs> comparison, right? Where it's like, cut out all the filler crap. This is the intended sequence of events. Like, I could see them going that route, but it, it is a nightmare. You should make that video. Right, well, 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 the thing about what you just said, I don't know something you said is, they're probably never going to do something like that because the thing people have to understand, I've, I've screamed this until I'm blue in the face, and we even had a Kiyoko confirm it. Is that the Japanese don't care about canon? Canonical, the word canonical is purely a Western thing. Like even Japanese religions, like Buddhism, like like Sufa Taoism, things that are Asian. There's no can like the canon started with the Bible. What books are canon? So that's where the word came from, and then it's been used with like other things, Marvel, Star Wars. Everything has like a canon, but we're talking about a Japanese property here, and it's. The way things are right now, because you nailed it, you've got the movies Battle of Gods Resurrection F, you've got the Battle of Gods manga arc, you've got the Battle of Gods TV version, which was Toei Animation making changes, not Toriyama. So there's three different continuities of essentially the same major events. Um, the, the, I think the issue is that what people need to do is not think about it. That's the thing. And I'm not telling you to shut your brain off. I've never said that. People need to understand that the creators of these um, properties don't give a damn about canon. Same thing goes for video games like Mario and Zelda. They came up with a Zelda timeline. It doesn't even make any sense. Like, they don't care. They do not give a damn. And same thing with, like, stuff like Godzilla. Like, there's plot holes and contradictions and all kinds of stuff everywhere. So um, the point is that... If people, I think if people understood that instead of fighting over it, then it would be an easier nut to swallow. Because right now we're in a weird time because we don't even know if they're going to adapt superhero to the anime. There, there's a lot of unanswered questions on that. And if they do, they're probably going to make changes. And then someone's going to say, well, that makes those changes canon. And no, it doesn't. Because 
what's your definition of canon? The problem is everyone's definition is different. Oh, well, if it was created by the creator Toriyama, then it's canon. Okay, that's fair. But what about the stuff that he didn't come up with that he helped write? Like the old DBZ movies. Like, for example, he's not writing an original manga anymore. He's not. Like, he's no, not. No, he's, he's only writing. In, he's involved in the story, and Toyotaro's really the one picking up the bulk of the work on this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's writing a manuscript. He's not drawing the manga. It's not like how it used to be. And also, and I've talked about this before, too, they're going to put Toriyama's name on everything. everything. Poei and Shueisha will do that. So people are going to, it's not going to be like a GT thing where they straight up are like, well, there's no manga. Toriyama's only, and, and I debunked that years ago because Toriyama was involved in the early GT episodes. That's something nobody ever talks about. But um, you know what I mean? Like the, the, the key is that people need to stop. Like one of the most annoying questions I get is when somebody asks me, is superhero canon? And it's like, why? And, and the question, you're asking the wrong questions. Because why are you asking that question? Are you asking it because you want to, are you asking that question because you want to feel like it matters more to you? No. Or because no. you, you don't want to waste your time. I see what I'm saying. I'm, I'm, everybody has a different answer. Though. I Everyone think they're asking, answer. I think people ask questions like that. And I think this is a community that I have long not been a fan of. I'm not sure how you feel about them, but. Depends on the day. But yeah. yeah. Power scalers, man. And just like deb debate bro culture in general with Dragon cool. Ball is exhausting though like the idea that yeah. like we talked about it a little bit before like getting in the facebook comments and seeing somebody being wrong and you could be like oh that person's wrong i do know what they're talking about but let me correct them like you have that option to either make the comment or move on i'm glad to, to hear that you're doing the move on thing i'm also I, trying to I do that because i've got i used to oh i've seen you blow up on people man yeah yeah i, I absolutely yeah. and i'm always saying to myself like why would you bother me? You know that you know that you're the authority on this. What are you what are you mad at them for? But you have the option to either engage or don't engage, right? And if you do, hopefully, you know, ideally somebody's like, oh, I didn't realize that. Thanks for telling me. But nine times out of that. ten, it's like, you don't know what you're talking about, bro. You're an idiot. You don't even remember this. So when people ask you things about Gohan is the strongest in Dragon Ball Super Superhero, right? Well, is it canon? It's because they want to go out there and have that fact in their arsenal to be like, actually, Gohan's the strongest, or whatever the fact is that they're trying to hold on to. It's to have a one-up on somebody. I think canon gives people the opportunity to do that. The idea of canon just being like um, an idea exclusive to the West, I actually talked about that recently as well. I think, yes, it was made in the West. I don't think it's not gone out throughout the rest of the world you're probably right in that the connectivity of things like godzilla movies like who who really cares it's a big giant go smash but with dragon ball i guess my question is getting back to the canon thing I, I, it's money i already know the answer so i don't know if i should even ask you this but go for it dragon ball z kai the whole pitch of it it's all just it's as as faithful to the manga as possible the manga being Toriyama's, you know, original creation. It's probably getting back to what you just said about they're going to put Toriyama's name on absolutely everything they can, whether it be a movie, a manga, a new series, a video game like Kakarot, new characters by Akira Toriyama, Banyu, and Kakarot. Like they're going to do that for every single thing. Do you think Dragon Ball Z Kai was that first thing that they did that with, or do you think that they have some semblance of of an idea of what canon means to 
fans throughout the rest of the world in Dragon Ball because it's no longer just a Japanese exclusive property. It is a global property. Whenever the hell they choose to adapt it and get it distributed on a global level, different story, but... Yeah, tell Toei that. They don't right. they don't see it that way. But, uh, but they're just... Well, they're also like... I'll share this with you. Um, this is... I haven't talked about this publicly yet except for on stream once. But So you're going to get it here. So Ooh. did you know... Did you know, this is mind blowing. This is, this flabbergasts me. So I'm talking to a voice actor like two days ago who works on Dragon Ball Super Superhero. I'm not prying. I mean, we're just talking. I haven't seen the movie yet. I'm like, you haven't seen the movie yet. You're working on this damn movie and you haven't seen the whole thing yet. Oh, um, all they do is bring us in to record our parts. And I'm like, wait a minute. But with Broly, and I know this for a fact, they gave copies of the movie to all the actors to watch the whole thing before they started recording their dub. Oh, well, they don't want leaks to get out. They think that's where the leaks are coming from, from the VAs under contract and NDAs no, and things like that? It's, it's worse than that. It's worse than that. This entire movie, every plot, not just the plot of the movie, the movie itself leaked two months ago. And they're telling actors, oh, well, we can't show you the movie because we're afraid something's going to leak. But motherfucker, everything leaked already. It Just was, show them the damn movie. There was copies out within 36 hours of its first showing in Japan. Yes. And that's my, I'm still shocked at that. But like the thing is like Toei is so weird because it's almost like they live in some parallel universe that nobody, none of us live in. Um, but to answer your question, uh, I did a video on this called Let the History of Kai. It's, it's actually a very popular video. The Kai was not even the original plan. They wanted to do a new anime that's what they wanted originally 2009 was going to be a was super basically it wasn't called super a new dragon ball anime toriyama did not want to do it at that time and he has he kind of has like okay they can do it without him if toriyama says no they're going to respect him because there's that japanese like uber respect to where like it's not like george lucas and star wars where they just don't they threw away his script toriyama says something they listen right but when he said no, the next idea was, well, let's just cut out a bunch of filler and just put out, you know, Dragon Ball Z. Now, what's weird about Kai is they didn't start with Dragon Ball. And I thought they would do Dragon Ball Kai should have been like Dragon Ball and Z. So you have the entire manga represented in anime form. But one thing with Kai, it wasn't just the, the manga thing. It was also because the manga thing was justification for them to rebrand. What they were actually doing is they were taking the original Dragon Ball film reels and remastering them and cropping them for high definition. Because at that point, 2009, everybody had a widescreen TV. The flat screens, it wasn't four by three. So they cropped it. They reframed it. They, they drew over some stuff. They also did some edits when it came to flashes. For example, if you watch Goku and Vegeta's great beam struggle, the Gallic gun and the Kamehameha in Z versus Kai, there's a part in Z where the screen is flashing really fast red. And I mean, it's, it's, a, it's crazy. People who have epilepsy, people who had seizures during the Porygon controversy in Japan, mm. with high-definition TVs, they tone that down. It's actually a very different beam struggle when it comes to visuals. So, like, the point I'm trying to make is Kai was, like, their backup plan because they needed to have a show in that time slot and they needed to celebrate the anniversary of Dragon Ball. So I was money, of course, but it was also a chance to like rebrand it as something different by cutting out the filler. It's just, it's almost like I would compare it to this going back to Star Wars, the Star Wars special editions. 
those were like, okay, we're going to get closer to George Lucas's vision, which is what Kai did, but ultimately was Kai necessary? I would say in the Japanese perspective, no. In the English perspective, though, different story because a bunch of new fans got into Dragon Ball through Kai, which is weird for a guy in his 30s to say it, but it's true. And it allowed the dub to go back and do a much more accurate dub and much more seasoned actors. So the Kai dub blows away the Z dub when it comes to performances and script. So that was good for the Western audience. But for the Japanese, it, it honestly, it, it did okay in the ratings. I'm not saying it didn't. People watched it, but it wasn't like people wanted more Dragon Ball. And there was even talk of them doing a Heroes anime. And now we actually have a promotional, but that was supposed to be a weekly Heroes anime. And that never happened either. So it is what it is. A Super Dragon Ball Heroes anime would be absolutely mind-boggling to me. because A good one. A go yeah, well, that's the thing. Maybe we get these six-minute little clips, and it's like, there's so much happening, and there's so many characters. It's like, wait a minute, the episode's over? I'm not even really sure what happened, but imagine that beat it out over the course of like 22, 24 minutes. That could be a different uh, sort of circumstance. Not, not cool. to mention that it's funny because Avengers is doing, or Marvel MCU is doing Secret Wars, the arc going on now in the Dragon Ball, Super Dragon Ball Heroes is like the same. It's almost the same thing, almost. Multiple yeah. universes fighting in, and in one big battle world. The Dragon Ball's doing it now. Like it's, but, and that should be a movie. If you ask me, if they did a movie where you had alternate canons, variants, SS4 Goku, Broly fighting, you know, Z Broly Kai, or Z Broly, um, Super Broly, different versions of characters fighting in a big you know tournament that would make a lot of money that would make a ton of money but for some reason japan is japan's weird man they're not all about the money i mean they are but they're not it depends on whatever like there's also cultural things but they make some really bizarre decisions that don't make any sense to me i think so many of the decisions are based off of like what they have to put in up front from a fiscal perspective and if it will pay off like dragon ball z dragon ball z kai is the perfect uh example of that in that it's already reused footage they just have to update some things it's largely already exists they can improve on things they've already have in an asset it's something to fill a time slot with in japan but yep they yep, you know nailed it. we're definitely aware of the potential of it reaching a new audience outside of japan so um, and like you said too, the, the Kai dub is leaps and bounds million miles better than the original Z dub that we got back in the day. Yeah. This is no, nuts, I, dude. We're at the 30 minute mark and I haven't even done all the getting to know you Dragon Ball questions. The next two though are pretty, pretty straightforward though. What's your favorite Dragon Ball opening song? Oh man. I like <laughs> all of them. I like all of them, bro. But I think I, if I had to pick one, if I had to pick one. It's the first one, Makafushigi Adventure. That I love that song. I love the lyrics. I love the singing. That is, that's my favorite. And, and I like all of them. Like, obviously, Chala Had Chala is a classic. Dan Dan is, is, is a beautiful song. Uh, even the Kai songs are okay, you know, but um, nothing will top on the, the first one, Makafushigi Adventure. That, that lay motif, that dun 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 dun, is just so. Like it hits, bro. Like with 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 dun 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 dun. Like it's just, I don't know. There's, I, I, that's my favorite. So good call, man. I usually go with. Uh, you say Dan Dan, I say Don Don, but I usually go Same Don thing. Don is my favorite. Uh, that song for whatever reason just lives in my head since I was like I the great know, song, ten years old or whatever it is. But it is hard to pick them. I I'm not particularly huge on the Kai opening songs, but like the 
you know, the first three series and Super's two openings are amazing as well. Um, I'm going Don Don. What about your favorite closing song? And I say closing song is in not specifically for the series. It could be a movie closing song, too. Oh, man. Now you really rock. Yeah. We're including movies. Oh, sh- let me think. I mean, I have to go. I, I have to go with uh, my personal favorite. And it's tough. I'm going to cheat. It's the tie. And they're both for movies. Ikusa, which is called The Battle, is the closing theme for the world's strongest Dragon Ball Z movie, too. They took a sample. I can't believe they did this, but we know Kenji Yamamoto is a plagiarist. They sampled Earth, Wind, and Fire's Boogie Wonderland. Dun, 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 dun. They literally took a sample of Earth, Wind, oh and Fire. Oh, my God. Oh, I know the song now that you just gave me those three notes. I was like, wait a minute, which one is that in my head? Now that you said that, though, I totally get those vibes. I want to do a side by side. That's cool. I mean, not cool that he stole it, but that's his MO. Like, didn't he steal that for like all of the video games that he did? A lot of them. Yeah, I I was going to do a side by side, but copyright, you know, I would have to shrink it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I love that song. And the lyrics are great. And I also love, and people, the movie gets a lot of shit, but the bio Broly DBZ movie 11 closing song. Yeah. I'm not saying the movie's good, but the song is called, um, uh, dragon. I think it's called, yeah. Dragon power. Hell yeah. The guitar in that song is, is nuts. Now, when it comes to like non movie songs, I'm I'm actually going to go with the GT one. Uh, I love blue velvet. That's my favorite. You know what, man? I'm so happy that you said that because it reminds me of a very early video. I randomly bumped into yours from a very long time ago. I'm talking four or five years ago. And it was you doing a karaoke version of Blue Velvet. That's right. I did that with Super J. You made up like Weird Al kind of lyrics about ordering pizzas or something. And it was fucking funny. (laughs) Right. Yes. Okay. Back when I used to do Talk Dragon Ball, I had Jay as my my co-host. I would always write little songs about him that were Dragon Ball songs. Uh, I did I did every Dragon Ball song to the point where I had to jump into like Yu Yu Hakusho songs after a while. So we did uh, the opening, yeah, and that's what you're talking about because Jay. So this is a lot. It's if you weren't if you weren't around back then and watching everything that both of us did, you wouldn't get the full context. But Jay, for a long time, would literally order pizza every night of the week. I'd be talking to him on Skype. This is like pre-Discord. He would be, I'm going to get a pizza man. He's in Australia. Every day this dude would be eating pizza. And I'm like, dude, I love pizza, but every day? And that's where that came from. So, yeah. And it's funny because at that time, I was way heavier than him. Now the roles have flipped. Um, he would eat pizza and not gain a pound. But I guess he got older. And I kind of don't eat pizza anymore. I mean, I eat some pizza, but it's. It's a different topic, but the yeah. point is that like um, he would eat pizza every day and not gain weight. Some people can do that. I can't. I'm jealous. Is, I used to yeah, be able right. to do that, but I, I don't know. I'm a pretty big boy myself. I got to limit my pizza intake to like same twice a month. Otherwise, I'm playing with fire, man. Um, same. Damn, I just had something else that I wanted to ask you that I think well, Blue I just Velvet's thought. a great song. That's what I was gonna say. Oh. Blue and they Velvet. also jacked it for uh for Cowboy Bebop. You literally just read my mind, dude. Yeah. It's the same exact song. Like, I've always thought that since I was a kid. And then I saw somebody do a video of it. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm not wrong. I'm not the only person who thinks that. 
No, and that's good that you caught that, bro. Like, I always considered myself a little genius for figuring that out when I was, like, 14. Um, But, uh, of course, it doesn't matter anymore. But, you know, you're like, hey, did you know this? It's like dumb little facts that, you know. I I always like those dumb little facts because it makes things interesting. But that's just my opinion. You know, some people don't give a shit. Well, speaking of dumb little facts, uh, I do want to move into the next portion of our conversation, which is largely based around the granola the gas the heat is arc whatever we're calling it this month and uh, all of those stupid things that i refer to as plot threads that i feel have been uh dropped throughout the course of this story and it's very frustrating to me never mind how long it is but before i start complaining about stuff what's your initial impression of the granola arc been as a whole it seems like next month or this month we're talking and it'll be the end yeah i think it, we got no more no more than three months um this is, and I just want to preface this by saying, and I hate that I have to say this. I hate that I have to say this, but people are really sensitive and I can go into that some other time. It's really frustrating for me, but if you like the granola arc and you're watching this, this is not a personal attack and it's only an opinion. Uh, there are good things about it. There are great chapters, great moments, great character evolutions but it's my least favorite Dragon Ball arc ever. I mean, and I'm not talking about like including anime filler. I mean, my least favorite manga arc going all the way back to the original manga in through super. This arc has been so hit and miss. You'll have like, it's take two steps forward, three steps back. You'll have two months of a really good chapter. Then you'll have one chapter do something that's just so irritating or just blow it or, you know, and I've never seen a manga arc like this like moro i think moro had momentum for a while and then they really stalled whereas this had two months of momentum and then one month was like terrible then it built up again like and so it's like very like back and forth and yeah it's i hate i'm not not saying it's the worst arc in the history of fiction i'm just saying it's my least favorite dragon ball arc ever it just is and i'm not saying it's not potential but um there's not potential there, but it, it's my least favorite. So, so yeah. all right, not the worst arc in fiction, but definitely the worst arc in Dragon Ball. I don't think I will disagree with you on that. I've been hating my life the last uh, 20, what, it, it'll be 20 chapters next month, I believe. A full 20 chapters or about 23% of all of the Dragon Ball Super chapters that have been put out have been dedicated to Granola. Although I did the math on Moro too. I was curious about that. That's a uh, 25 chapters for about 28% of all of the Dragon Ball Super arcs to this point. So like and more stuff happened. I felt like more stuff happened in Moro. Well, because more stuff happened in Moro that was enjoyable that could beat it out more a little bit more appropriately because there were so many more characters involved. Like it wasn't just Moro, Goku and Vegeta. And then another bad guy shows up like it has been for the granola arc. Like you had all of the Z fighters involved. You had Maris involved. You had the galactic prisoners breaking out and all of those guys being pests. Like there were other places to jump to and like enjoy parts of the story when other parts got stale with granola arc, man. It's like Vegeta, Goku fights him. Vegeta fights him. Granola fights them both. And then gas shows up and Goku fights him and Vegeta fights him and granola fights him. Then Goku fights him again. It's like, it's been so, so action heavy which isn't necessarily bad. I understand it's Dragon Ball, but I want to say it was maybe um, March or April. I can't remember which chapter it was, but there was like chapter, I want to say 84. 
can't remember, but there was just so much narrative pushed in and all these different parts of the story during the Granola arc. It was like, we get an update on Granola. We get an update on the headset. We get an update on Bardock. We get an update on the battle and the heat is in. I was like, all right, cool. This story's moving along finally. It's not just repetitive battle after repetitive battle. And right after that month was over, even though it was a lot to take in all at once in one single damn chapter, they went right back to the repetitive bullshit fights again. This, it's been very unenjoyable, man. I, I'm with you. It's the worst one. And that's not an opinion. That's a fact. And I don't care if you're offended to any of the listeners. Um, I appreciate that you said that because I, I honestly don't care if they're offended either because of the fact that like it's not that serious. It's a, it's a cartoon. Yeah. It's a manga comic book. But uh, yeah, no, seriously, all that it's it's just so and I think it actually did a disservice to Dragon Ball. It, it made Bardock, in my opinion, less interesting, even though I don't think it totally ruined him. It definitely ruined a lot of 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 like like the 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 drama of dragon ball and it also you know some of the character decisions just really don't make any sense and yeah and some of it's just straight up like repetitive you know there are some good ideas though again there are good ideas here there are genuine good ideas here but uh i'm i am tired i am ready to move on to the next arc hopefully it'll be better it's literally like how it was when dragon ball super was around where, you, you know, after a while, you're like, okay, let's move on to the next thing because I'm tired of this now. That's how I felt like when, like, the Trunks arc was coming to an end and the last episode kind of blew it. I was like, all right, whatever. Let's move on to the next thing. Like, I, I and I'm going to do, I had a video that I recorded, like, half of it and never finished it. So I'm probably going to start over again where I criticized the ending of that arc because, to me, the Trunks arc, uh, the Goku Black arc had the worst ending of any arc in the history of Dragon Ball. I hated that ending to, yep. to, to death. 100%. Um, Zeno but button, this, lazy, laziest way to ever write yourself out of a corner. Don't and not just, not just that. The, the fact that Trunks had to go to like, Trunks and mine went to another timeline where they also exist. It's just really dumb. Right. Now, and they just, they just coexist with another version of themselves. That's right, man. That's an often overlooked fact of the end of that arc. That's very strange. It's, it's stupid. And then on top of that, now here's the thing. They can actually still fix this because if they do another arc where we pick up where, Go where Trunks and Mai are and we see what's happening and there's a crisis there with multiple Trunks and multiple Mai's, they could actually kind of fix this by telling a continuous story on what happens to them. But I don't know if that's ever going to happen, yo. And like one of the problems that I had when Dragon Ball Super was on the air is I would always have hope it would get better. And sometimes it did get better. But I don't think it ever reached the heights of the original series, with the exception of some of the T.O.P., some of the episodes and Broly and even Superhero. I think those things did hit the classic series, but it took them a while to get there. So I'm hoping that now, because you were talking about the, the Super coming back, when the series returns, anime wise, I hope that they pick it up and I hope that they keep going on this, you know, not the manga, but like the anime and the movies they keep they keep doing well i'm not expecting it to be as good as z I've, I've dropped that idea but just have it be entertaining and interesting that's all i asked for yeah so this is something i wanted to write down or adjust with you a little bit later but we'll bring it up now because we're here dragon ball super toward the end episodes what 109 110 i think 126 130 131 all of those episodes, quote unquote, broke the internet, and it was impossible to stream them when they were first available. I remember that. that night. 
And I think that a lot of people, I see memes all the time of like, when this moment gets animated, it's going to break the internet. And it's like Goku transforming against Moro or Granola or something. In my brain, now that a comic book precedes the story and the people who are super hardcore is like you and I who like read it the minute it comes out. I don't think there's going to be as many of those, if any of those internet breaking moments, because these hardcores who were experiencing it for the first time through anime exclusively, because that's the only thing that we had, we were all right. there. Now that we've seen it through the story uh, on, on the page, I don't think there's going to be as much um, immediacy that we need to like watch it right away. I just don't think it's going to be as impactful. Like Dragon Ball Super was a very special moment in time for us as a fandom in that each week we had a new episode for almost, what, three years almost. And right. we genuinely had no idea as a collective group. We did not know what was about to happen. And whenever the series does come back, hopefully early next year, whenever it does come back, I just feel like there's going to be more of, well, if you read the manga, then you would know that this is about to happen. And there's just going to be like less excitement or less potential positivity or inquisitive kind of uh, theory crafting nature going on in our worlds when the anime comes back. That's a good point. And, and a lot of YouTube is a lot of it is theory crafting. It's a lot. Channels have blown up on that. No, you're not wrong at all. Like, but, but also there's other anime. In fact, most anime are adapting a manga and uh, it, I think people are used to it. Um, by now, but I see your point in that it's not like it's not the drama and the uncertainty is what made it interesting, which is why I think at some point, and I've said this a million times, we must go past the end of Z because when we get to that point, whether it be manga, anime, or movie, that's going to be like when everyone comes back because I like I think everybody's going to want to come back on for that because then we have a new story, but there's no guarantees that's ever going to happen. Like there's no indication that's ever going to happen. And they just keep cramming more and more into that 10 year time skip, you know, but I think you're right. I think that, yeah, 109 and 110 were very special. Um, they wanted the, the manga to, to go beyond it, but it's going to take, it might take a couple of years, but the anime will eventually pass the manga again, unless they make it seasonal, which I would actually be in favor of because the content creator, that's perfect. That's perfect for us. But that's probably not going to happen. I mean, I think it's better doing, doing it that way because then you have like, you know, the animators can take their time. They can work on other projects. They can focus on different things. They come back to Dragon Ball, gives Toriyama a break. That's what I would like. But they're, I, I can't ask for what they're not going to give me. It's Japan, man. Japan. <laughs> you know, everything, what, the answer to everything is it's Japan. Yeah, Japan, and if it's Japan, it's money. You totally just hit the next question I was going to ask you, though, in regards to this super return. It's like the idea of it being a seasonal anime just makes so much sense for everyone involved, especially from a production perspective. And you never, I mean, eventually it would happen, but doing this math out on how long these manga arcs have been, they easily have over 100 episodes worth of material ready to adapt like over the course of these two arcs at least that that's not including that they might want to do broly at the front of it and potentially superhero yeah. at the back and not it. to mention the little let's not forget the little slice of life bulma's birthday party episodes which with super those wound up being some of the most enjoyable episodes of the whole series like super's slice of life stuff in many ways was the best stuff the orale episode and the baseball episode i think were back-to-back -back weeks and they're two of my favorite absolute Absolute episodes of Super Dope. Uh, not Dragon just Ball that, Super. 
those are two those are two amazing episodes and also the one with a beerus with the monaka suit yeah it was oh. dumb but it was funny like that was good stuff yeah potafu arc not so much but everything else yeah no i think super does do a nice job though of at least making the attempt of blending all the things that we love about dragon ball whether you're an old fan or a new fan like it definitely leaned back more especially like the the beginning to the middle of dragon ball z it just gets so sci-fi heavy big strong guys big key blast it gets not as fun Mimaji Buu comes back, the combat, especially with a character like him or with a character like Gotenks or Goten and Trunks in general, the comedic aspects start to filter in in slow moments. But Dragon Ball Super from the jump, man, not only is it, I think, much better paced in terms of how their arcs work out in terms of uh, versus how it is in Dragon Ball Z, like it just felt a little bit more compact. That future Trunks arc, though, I, I right. do agree with you. That ending is fucking awful. But I feel like Super does such a nice job of taking all the elements of, of Dragon Ball in general comedy martial arts sci-fi big explosions um and just kind of marrying them into one series i i do think that people will when it's all said and done people will think a little bit more kindly of dragon ball super than they do in the present day because it's the new thing that we have and it's it's easy to criticize but you know 30 years from now i think people will be like yeah i think i like dragon ball super more than dragon ball z i can't believe i just said that but no i don't know nobody say that bro <laughs> that is a wrong opinion Yes, there is such thing as a wrong opinion. And that's one of them. <laughs> you're right. You're right. I'm just I'm just so. talking in hypotheticals, my friend. 30 right, years right, in the right, future, right. who Maybe. knows people are going to say. Um, you know what, though? I did want to get back to one of the things that we talked about in the manga currently ongoing. Because you started to go down that road, and then we stopped, and I didn't get to follow up with you on it. But you feel that the inclusion of Bardock was a bad decision, is what I'm hearing. Well, I, I don't like what they did with him. Like, I... Seeing okay, seeing him again and having him be one of the characters that was in the on Granola's planet, it's almost like it reminds me. I'm getting I, I want I don't want to go back to Star Wars again, but it's the best comparison I can get. Like when they do when they did things in the prequels to tie into the regular trilogy that wasn't necessary. Hey, look, the Millennium Falcons parked right there on Coruscant. You don't need to do that. It's an yeah. Easter egg. We know it's the same universe. Like them having to tie up everything, like Bora didn't need to be in this arc at all. But what they did with him with that dragon wish, where and I did a bunch of videos on this, where his wish was for his sons to survive into being adults, and then that kind of broke the drama of Dragon Ball because now we know the dragon protected Goku multiple times and it created this lack of free will. It's a very deep conversation to have, but I've already had it. I did not like that at all. Um, I did like I did like the backstory where Granola's mom was killed by Alec and Bardock was there. That actually is not bad. It's the second half of that. Like I was hoping that Bardock would have been able to beat Gas by finding some kind of weak spot, and then Goku would figure it out. But that whole thing was done to mirror Goku and Bardock figuring out how to use their bodies to the max, which is what led to True Ultra Instinct, which confuses a lot of people because. Goku's going through the same evolution he already did in the anime. So it's just, it's weird. It's, it's just really weird and uninteresting. And I, it's kind of, I'm kind of sick and tired of Ultra Instinct being the moving goalpost like Beerus is. Oh, well, he mastered it. No, he didn't. Then he mastered it again. No, he didn't. Then he mastered it again. No, he didn't. And it's just, it's obvious. It's, it's actually more than obvious that they're making it up as they go along. And there's nothing wrong with that necessarily, but when it becomes obvious, at least the people saying, all right, like, can we quit with the ultra instinct crap? 
let him master it and let the next villain be somebody who knows how to do it too. Then he's really going to be challenged. Something like that. You know what I mean? Well, I think you just hit on something pretty interesting here. For a while, it was like the Ultra Instinct, the Mastered Ultra Instinct. Now, the last each of these last two manga arcs has ended with this. I don't really know how to say the word because I'm not a Naruto kid. I think it's Susano. Susano. I don't know. I've, yeah, I haven't. Seen it's one it of yet, those yeah. words that you read but you don't say it out loud, right? Right. So Susano. Yeah, something like that. It's ended in this form in the last two times, and like. Both times, they don't really give you either explanation as to really what happened or like how he achieved this form. I remember thinking when it happened at the end of the Moro arc, because so much emphasis was put on Vegeta having gone to learn the other techniques and like the spirit key fission or whatever or spirit it's called. Vision, yeah. I figured that maybe if that wasn't it, Goku busts out this technique. I'm like, oh, is this another thing that he might have learned from the Yard Rats that we just haven't seen for the last 20 years or something like why did you make us people, go to yard rat i don't get it yeah a lot of people thought that's what it was but it wasn't because the yard rats can actually increase their own size like what piccolo can do this technique is something that he developed on his own but it was very much a deuce ex machina it was like him doing the dragon fist in movie 13 that we never saw a clue of but i thought that him turning giant and doing like the the the, the spirit clone of him or whatever I thought that worked for Granola. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought it worked for Moro because he was able to punch the crystal and finish him off. But here, even though I like the idea of him turning giant and grabbing this guy and chucking him in the space, that's so wacky. It just didn't feel as effective. And I do think that we need an explanation for it. I would like them to explain it. I'm going to probably do a video on it at some point because I know where they got this from. Like I, and this has to do with, this all has to do with understanding the roots of Dragon Ball, which is rooted deeply in Sayuki and Buddhism and Taoism. And so if you trace things back, you can figure out what they're trying to do with this. But most fans, are they never take time to do that. It's not their fault. I'm not blaming them for that. People got lives. And that's why I'm existing here to try and explain it. But it would be better if they explained it in the series because then, like from, from an in-universe perspective, because then people would maybe like it more i don't know I, I feel like i just want something new and that was new two years ago but it's not new anymore i want i just wish they would do something i'm like i told you i'm tired i want them to move on i want something new i'm tired of granola i'm tired of elec i'm tired of gas just end this damn end the suffering we want something else yeah i think i think you hit it on i think you hit on it before when you said it's time for us to move beyond the end of z but while we are here in this granola arc, I mean, like we said, seems like it's about to end. Who knows what the aftermath of Goku throwing uh, granola, excuse me, Goku throwing gas into the atmosphere and granola shooting and leaving him alive. Who knows what that aftermath's going to look like next month? I think Bardock was an unnecessary inclusion. Right. But whatever. I get why they do it from like a marketing or a merchandising perspective. Now, at some point in our lives, we will have a very cool Bardock action figure with like a sick ass cape, like cloak thing going on. That'll be very cool. But That's true. in Good the point. interim, they I liked where this arc started. Like, I feel like Granola is definitely like a borrowed kind of idea. It definitely reminds me of Safarians from Dragon Ball GT and Baby and that sort of uh, origin story. But like. I don't know. I think it's a it had the opportunity to be more interesting, especially when you bring in the remnants of OG73, and that sort of kicks off the beginning of the arc and gives some connective tissue between the end of Moro and the beginning of this granola arc. 
And then they just use him for that and they never hear from him again. Like that was a plot dropped plot thread that's bothered me since the beginning. Um, Unless they go back to it, but there's no guarantee. I don't think they will. I think they'd be more than happy if we forgot that that ever happened. But the other thing that's the other thing that sort of confused me is like the parameters of Tarambo's wish or, or the or the wishes made to Tarambo in order to make them the strongest in the universe. So much emphasis was put on Granola condensing his last 150 years into, you know, three years at the beginning when he makes this wish and his hair grows to uh, denote the passing of his lifespan, blah, blah, blah. He's been using these big, crazy blasts the entire time. He's been fighting a lot. I firmly expected him and then consequently gas by the end of this arc to both be dead or burn out their, their time, their power, whatever. And there is a decent shot, dude, that both of them walk away from this arc next chapter. What do you think is going to round out there? Uh, you, you ain't wrong. You ain't wrong about that. I mean, it depends on what their plans are for Granola. If the plan is to make him uh, another character that can go to, like, for another tournament of power, they could do that. Um, I, my only desire, and I've said this a bunch of times, my only desire is that Alec must be killed at the hands of Granola because of the fact that Alec took his mom's life. That if they don't do that, it's going to be if they don't do that, they effectively shoot the granola character in the head with a rifle because you've built this character up as be as hating, hating Goku and Vegeta's people, which rightfully so. But then you find out that it was actually Alec who ordered who, who made the deal with Frieza. They show up. Then that leads to his mom getting killed and his the civilization getting wiped out. That dude must die at the hands of granola. I don't give a damn if Granola and Gas survive or not because Mira survived. And who knows what he's doing right now? So, like, you know, I don't give a damn if he survives or if he dies. Either way, I'm fine with it. But he must kill Elec. He must. That that to me is 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 not up for debate. If they don't have that, I'm gonna be very because people people tell me shit like, oh well, Frieza should kill him. No, Elec should be killed at the hands of Granola. It almost reminds me of in Dragon Ball Z. They did something like this in Z, and I've criticized this since I was a teenager. When Sapopovich beat the fuck out of Videl and Gohan is watching, everybody who I've ever seen it with is like, okay, Gohan's going to find this fucking guy and tear him apart because that's his chick. And then Bobbity kills him. And I get they were trying to put heat on Bobbity, but Gohan should have been the guy to at least, if you're not going to kill him, at least beat his ass to where he's a bloody mess and lost all his teeth, and he's on the brink of dying, and then Bobby takes him out, then we never got that moment. And that was a moment, because I remember watching that for the first time. Me too. Me and my friend. Yeah, I had never seen this before. I'm talking about back when I was like 14, 13. I was, I was a teenager. VHS bootleg tapes from, from Japan uh, yes. that my, my uncle bought in New York. He brought this one home, and I just cringed the whole time. Right, and, and I, had, I had downloaded it, because I was back in the day when you could download an IRC. You still can, but now everybody's torrents. And so, like, I had the whole boo saga, and I got to that part. And then Gohan even says, like, Sabobovich, you're going to pay for what you've done. And I'm over here like, all right. And then he didn't do it. And then we find out that he didn't train. He has an even fight with Darbara. It's just, 
they really did cut Gohan's balls off for the first half of that arc. I'm worried they're about to do that same thing to Granola, and they've prefaced it in this most recent chapter by not. saying, I'm all set. I don't want to kill anybody. This is um another potentially dropped plot thread, but when Alec makes that wish to make Gas the strongest, they cut away, and like you don't really see what he says. You don't really he see may if have he tries for to more. Make, he may have made a second wish. So I feel like that's maybe the way out. Like, Next week, Olek is like, all right, uh, plan B. This was my plan B now that Gas wasn't able to get the job done. And then he's the guy who's going to fight them. And Granola's like, nah, never mind. I'm just going to put you down real quick. I go back I on like my that. word from last chapter, and I have to kill you at least. You killed my mom. Her name was Muesli, and I loved her. Right. Yeah, screw. You can, the, the other ones, they've already kind of hinted that the other heaters are not as bad as Alec. Alec is the grand manipulator. He's the prick. Gas is just doing what he thinks is right. He doesn't seem to really be that bad of a guy. I would actually go so far to say that Nappa was much more of a dick than Alec. But when Vegeta killed Nappa, there was no sympathy for him at all because of what Nappa had just done to Goku's friends. Whereas here, Gas hasn't really killed anybody. He's just kind of a, 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 an enforcer, a henchman for Alec. And if he sees the light and realizes that Alec doesn't give a damn about him, that's a good character arc for him. He can survive and then move on and live happily ever after with Ola Mackie, but Alec must go. That's he's he's the, the he's the villain that cannot be turned. He's like Moro. Not every villain's gonna be turned to the good side. You know, a lot of them do in Dragon Ball. He should not be it. Yeah, and that's why. And that's I why thought, I, I well, like what they did with Frieza and Super because hmm. I love how Frieza had to fight with Universe Seven, but he never became a good guy. And the very next story, Broly, he finds Broly a sixth of on Goku and Vegeta. So, like, I like that he, I really like that he did not end up being their friend. He ended up being he's still their enemy, but he had to work with them for the greater cause. It really was well done that aspect. What I don't like is the fact that. Goku and Vegeta both know that this guy's dangerous. And at the end of Broly, as Gogeta, they let him live. I still don't understand that. It makes no sense, but it's it's a small nitpick of an otherwise good movie. See, I've got the reverse on that nitpick, though. I actually love that moment when Gogeta lets him go because Frieza is about to try to shoot down Broly's ship or whatever, and Gogeta catches his wrist. And Frieza just resigns himself. He's like, I know, I can't take you. I get it. It's not that like we have to get along or anything because we're like you said, they're definitely not friends. He's definitely not a good guy or anything like that. But it's like he's realistic within his own limitations at that moment. And he's like, in order to prolong my life, I should just depower out of golden form, not shoot this blast and, uh, you know, bow my head in shame. No, and hope Vegeta doesn't kill me. But that's fine. My problem was Gogeta not killing him because Vegeta is half of Gogeta. Vegeta knows how bad Frieza is. He's been, he talked about it earlier in the film. There's a whole scene of it. And then we see Frieza finding Broly. And then later on, Frieza's like, I'm going to get my revenge someday. So, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, like, there was no, I cannot think of a reason as to why Gogeta let Frieza live. I, I really can't. I, just, I think I just cracked, I, mean, I think I just cracked the code, dude. Ready? So this is me just totally spitballing bullshit. But you tell me how wrong I might be. Uh, people often equate Gogeta as the Goku dominant fusion, Vegito as the Vegeta dominant fusion, right? I know totally a theory. It's mostly about names and appearance and all that, but um, let's say that theory has any weight. Maybe the Goku side within the Vegeta fusion wins out and he's like, maybe we'll need him for another tournament or I'll just fight him again. If he gets out of hand, it's not a big jo job. Uh, it's not a big deal. Vegeta shut the hell up. 
You know what? That would have been awesome. That I like your idea because, but what would have been awesome is they defuse and then that scene happens where Vegeta comically yells at Goku, why didn't you let me kill him? And then Goku's like, because don't worry, he's not a threat to us. He's weak, you know, and 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 then Goku would even say, what if he finds more strong guys to put up against us so we can have so we can have new training partners like Broly, you know? Then Goku's like, oh, that scene is needed. That is a scene. That's why I like your idea. The scene was not in the movie. It probably wasn't even in the script, but it should have been because at that point, you're you're at that point, it's like, okay, that now it makes sense. They were internally trying to figure out what to do, and Goku won out. But then Vegeta could say, the next time we fuse, if this happens, I'm killing him. Goku's like, all right, fine. If he comes back, we'll take him out. Then that teases more stuff later on. I, I always thought that what they could have done, like for the future. If they're going to reboot Cooler, if that's the plan, have Frieza come back with Cooler. And a lot of people would say things like, well, how can you introduce Cooler now? You know, it's too late. He's, you know, he's never been around. It can be done with something called creative writing. It's the same thing they did with Broly. They could come up with a storyline where Cooler, like Broly, was blackballed from the family. For whatever reason, maybe he's too dangerous. Maybe he's a pacifist. Frieza finds him and then somehow convinces him to help him fight Goku and Vegeta. It's not that hard to do. Or you could even go real sci-fi and have a story where Cooler was Frieza's brother, but he was too powerful. So King Cold like froze him in ice or some shit. And then Frieza goes to some far off planet, like on the ends of the universe. And that's where Cooler's at. And he knows this is like his last resort. But he's like, screw it. And then he lets Cooler go. There's a lot of ways you can. And that's just me coming up with shit. On yeah, the, that's like, you just spitballing off the right. cuff, too. It's like, not even that hard to do. And then, boom, we have. I, I, I read a lot of comics and, you know, I watch a lot of fic fiction. So, like, that's not hard to do. And then, boom, we've got a new villain that you're rebooting, but still sort of showing respect to, you know. And Cooler could even be that guy. Because one thing I like about Cooler, and I went back and I watched the two Cooler movies on Twitch recently. I love that Cooler is, is he's still, he's got the same problem Frieza has. He's very overconfident. He's very egotistical, but he also like, he likes the thrill of battle and going, like Cooler will stab you in the front. Frieza will stab you in the back. Cooler will kill you to your face. And I mm. like that they're sort of, they're similar, but not quite the same. And that's always been a cool idea. No yeah. pun intended. And I, <laughs> good one, dude. I think, uh, it, like you said, dude, it checks all the boxes. You're still bringing back an established character that they haven't brought back out of the toy chest in a long time. It, uh, it hits the nostalgia checkbox. It hits the money checkbox. It and it's a new character. It's a new character that gives you new opportunities or new directions that you could be able to go in. If you're going to keep Frieza around, which it seems they are, like that gives Frieza a whole other angle or a whole other foil to his character. So, um, I mean, dude, you know what they could do? And this just popped in my head. During the battle with Cooler, Cooler goes to his, his fifth form, which is the same one from Dragon Ball Z. Mm. Frieza doesn't know anything about it. Cooler's like, well, my DNA is different than yours. Come up with some reason, whatever. And then he turns giant. And then that eventually, sort of like with Cell Max, but that eventually leads to Go, Goku using that Susano power to make himself giant. And then we have a battle of two giants. Sort of like what they did with Piccolo and Cell Max, but with Goku's spirit form against cool. Then you, you have a reason to bring that form back without it feeling like it's shoehorned in. So there's a lot of things like the Dragon give... Ball has 
Huh? So long as they give an explanation on it first before they bring right. it back. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, Dragon Ball can do things like that, and it's fun. And it's not that – you don't have to give a, a super deep explanation, but just a simple one. That's fine. I say it all the so. time, dude. Dragon Ball is a television show made for 10-year-old boys in Japan. Don't take it that seriously. <laughs> I've been saying that forever, man. And a lot of it is comedic. People take it so seriously. You, know, you mentioned the scalers earlier. You know, I'm friends with a lot of power scalers uh, and we have fun conversations, but some of them do take it too seriously. I remember years ago, years ago, set the programmer's original Discord server. I went in there just to say hi. And I literally was challenged to debate by like 10 kids. I didn't even know who they were. Hey, geek them. And, and these kids were so weird. They were like, hey, you want to debate Goku versus Naruto? And I'm like, bro, I've never even seen more than one episode of Naruto. So congratulations, you win. Like, you know, they want to debate like shit, like random. They just throw random shit at me. Do you want to debate Goku versus like Bleach? And I'm like, dude, I've never seen all of Bleach. So like, I, I'm just there to say hi to people. And I don't think that they're bad kids. But like you said, I think they get very... Uh, excited to debate somebody and kind of get brownie points off of beating somebody who's a big name. But I don't ever, I don't ever get involved in that shit because the, to me, debates over fictional characters can be fun. But when that's the agenda, I prefer debate with friends and have it be a friendly debate than something like that, where it's like, and not to say it's going to turn ugly, but I know what their agenda is and I don't have time for it anymore. One of the biggest mistakes I made as a creator I made this mistake, yo, and I, 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 if anybody's watching this who wants to be a creator, don't make this mistake. One of the mistakes I made was I did not set boundaries for myself a lot in the first few years I was around. I made friends with a lot of people that turned to be fucking snakes, and I let a lot of people into my inner circle that I should not have. And that's a mistake that I made that I'm never going to make again. And I also gave attention to people who were trying to purposely use me to take me down. And I'm never going to make that mistake again. I gave a 10. There's one guy. I'm not going to say who it is. I gave him. A, I, I helped this channel out. I helped him with real life advice on business and investments. He goes and flips on me because he's jealous of me and starts talking shit about me and insulting me and calling me a homosexual and all this stuff. He's, he's, he's gone. He hasn't been around in a while. But like I, I wasted my time trying to convert a geekdom hater into a geekdom lover when the reality is when you go into this game, at least 25% of people at least are going to hate you just because you exist and you have to accept it. That's their problem, not yours. And that's the mistake I made, Matt. Try to be friends with everybody. And you just can't. You have to really pick how you use your time wisely. I don't know why I'm talking about that now. By the way, it's thundering out. I'm not going to stop. We're going to keep going, but I'm just letting you know if the power goes out or whatever, That's it's why. not me bailing on you. I'm just letting you know. I'm, I don't know if it's going to happen, but if it does, don't think it's me bailing on you. Just, I appreciate you, man. Thank you it's for letting Florida. me know. Florida is very, uh, it's like good to rain like once, twice a day. Crazy thunderstorms, right? <laughs> it, especially in July and August. It's nonstop yeah. every day. So yeah. Uh, we are coming up on it, but I think you just hit on something that I wanted to just kind of reiterate a little bit. Like 25% of people, whether you're a content Minimal. creator or not, like they're just going to meet you and they're going to be like, nah, guy's not for me. I don't like him. But then you've got another faction of people who are genuinely curious or like fascinated about your topic, whatever it is you cover. They love Dragon Ball. They want more information about it. And then they just look at you from the perspective of, I could do that better. And it's like, all right, dude, if you could go for it, 
try it out. It. It's not as go easy as it. it looks. I fucking promise you. So like I've had tons of people do that to me and I always say, go for it. YouTube is the easiest form of capitalism ever invented. You don't have to leave your home. You don't have to even buy expensive equipment. I got all, I got away with the first two years of YouTube using a rock band microphone, pick monkey and windows movie maker. I didn't spend thousands of dollars on editing software or I, I that's how I got through my first year. Most of these, I was cheap, but I mean, that's the truth. Um, anybody can do it. It's just, you have to, you're right. It's hard. And I will say this, even though it's only a small percentage, a lot of it is luck. And when I say luck, I mean, timing, timing, yes, timing, because I was really lucky. I started my channel three months before super began. And when I started, I had contacts that nobody else had. And one of the mistakes I also made was I shared a lot of my, I shared a lot of my contacts and my resources with the entire community, which I shouldn't have done. And I did that for integrity purposes. For example, Herms. Nobody fucking knew who Herms was until I put him on. Point blank. That, that's a fact. Unless I didn't you were know who Herms was till, till you started giving his translations, yeah. Nobody had any clue. Unless you were on Konzenshu or unless you've been a fan for 20 years, you had no idea who Herms was. And I put them on and everybody started referencing Herms. I had an edge at that point. And now it's kind of an even playing field. Like, I remember this. It's not an ego. I remember exactly what happened. But it's like one of those things where I came along at the right time. And what I also did differently is that at that time, at that time, almost every content creator that was covering Dragon Ball was doing the same thing. They were dub fans and they were talking over fucking gameplay footage. Every channel, it was fucking Xenoverse footage, and we're going to talk about topics, and they would get shit wrong. And there's one YouTuber in particular. I'm not going to say his name because I don't want to disrespect him because I have no problem with him. But he, people were telling me that this dude was, like, super knowledgeable. And I watched one of his videos years ago. He got, like, four things wrong in the first, like, 22 minutes of the video, and I'm like, fuck this shit. And it's not even, like, you have to get everything right. That's not how I roll. but. I just felt like I had to come into this with a different perspective. That was back in 2015, you know. Now, a lot of other people came along and kind of saw like, you know, okay, we were kind of wrong about this and that. And now we have more edited videos and, you know, things have changed. And I'm not sitting here trying to say that I changed YouTube, even though I feel like I did have a positive impact. But the bottom line I was trying to make is I opened, I had very, I was very bad with boundaries. And now I, I'm a lot I'm a lot more reserved now when it comes to boundaries. You know what I mean? That's just, that's just how it is. Plus my personality, the kind of person that I am because I'm an eighties baby. A lot of people nowadays are not going to vibe with me. And when I say nowadays, I mean like people under the age of 25, because they're not going to get my sense of humor. They're way too sensitive. They're a bunch of snowflakes and I can't deal with somebody who is overly sensitive and overly emotional over things that they shouldn't be overly emotional over. That's just me. I'm not saying that people need to change, even though I think some do, but I know I'm not going to vibe with certain people because, you know, my sense of humor is, is sort of different. You know, it comes from that Bobby the Brain Heenan sort of uh, Andrew Dice Clay era, not what we have now, which it's just not for me. It, there yeah. definitely is a difference in age. That's why I think that my user base, people who watch me, most of them are people who grew up on Toonami, not the Kai fans. Some do. The Kai fans do watch. I'm not saying all of them, but the vast majority of my analytics tell me that my average age is uh, 24 to 40. 
which is you, which is pretty much the tsunami generation. Yeah. Um, you know what I'm saying? So other YouTubers have younger crowds and that's fine. That's good for them. But I'm happy with what I got, bro. Look, I know that I can sit here and do fucking multi-part what ifs and fan fiction like everybody else does. I don't want to do that shit. That doesn't give me pleasure. I like explaining things, like having discussions. That's what I like to do. I don't want to do fan manga and I don't want to do what ifs. I've done a couple of them, but once Moscow started doing what ifs, there are 25 parts. Everybody else started doing them. And they, we have scraped the bottom of the barrel when it comes to what if topics. When you're, get, when you're doing shit like what if Goku was betrayed by Vegeta and trapped in a jail cell? Now we're like beyond the point of fan fiction now where you're just like completely off the rails. And I'm not saying that's bad. It's just not what I'm good at. Like I know my strengths and weaknesses. So it, it's, I'm just talking, I'm just giving you a general outline of like how I view things, you know? No, I think you just hit on so many important things and just like given the quick version of your YouTube, I don't know, resume, not resume, but like the, the trajectory what I of like. how you started, yeah. the timing was a big part of it. You saw that there was a need in the market that, uh, you know, uh, slightly more quality videos that broke things down instead of just uh, broke things down from like a research perspective and were right. thought there out was and scripted. It wasn't like off the cuff bullshit over some Xenoverse uh, footage. I get that. So that's pretty cool. Right. And there's um, nothing wrong with that. It's just that I had to do something different. I, I had to be yeah. different from everybody else. It's not so. for everybody. That's 100% uh, sure. And then Mosico, uh, I got to interview him a couple of years ago. I'm hopeful to have him back on the show soon, but... I love that guy. He's one of the nicest guys I've ever talked to in my life. Like genuinely, I was so nervous to speak with him. I think it was maybe two or three years ago at this point. I fucked up a mic input on the episode and everything. It was a rough, it was a rough he episode. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. No, uh, I cared immensely though, because obviously like I he's know. one of my first big guests, right? But even though I was so nervous to meet him and talk with him, he was just like the nicest, most regular dude in the world. All that was a long preamble to say, I too hate a lot of the what if shit. Like people have asked me, like, why don't you read this fan, uh, fan manga and do something with him? Like, I'm all set. Like, it's not the real story. It's not the characters written from the perspective of the authors that I, you know, trust to utilize these characters. It could be like the most interesting premise in the world for a fan manga, but it's not going to pique my interest enough to read it and then talk about it for 45 minutes. Right, right. No, exactly. And, and there's been a couple, I have read a couple of them, but there's a lot of fan manga. I mean, a lot. And then you get to the point where when you start covering these things, people start questioning why you're covering certain ones and not other ones. And it's just, it, it becomes more difficult. You know, like for me, I just, I just lean more on my strengths. That That's just me. And I think everybody doing content should lean more on their strengths. If you're funny, do comedy. If you're informative, do that. Like I, I do some comedy videos, but like, you know what I mean? Like I think people, nothing wrong with trying something new, but if I sat here and tried to write a, what if like what Masako does, and I'm not crapping on his video. I'm just saying, I don't know how to do it. I couldn't, the what ifs that I do are more like the Quaman what ifs, which is hypotheticals. If you're going to write a, what if like, what if master Roshi trained Broly, you're breaking the entire story at that point. You're just starting over from scratch. And it, it is fan fiction. And it's, it's difficult to write fan fiction because for me, I want my fan fiction to be maybe not as good as the original stuff, but close enough to it, right? And then I put a lot of pressure on myself. It's like writing a book. Like if I'm going to write a novel, I actually try to write a novel a couple of times and I restart it every time. It's hard. Like, because you have, I set high standard. I don't want to write a, a shitty novel. I want it to be good. 
So doing a what if is difficult. So I do commend them for that, but it's just not my kind of content. Like it's just not, like I said, it's not something I'm, I'm really good at. And, and the, also the thing is about Dragon Ball, my opinion is there's already so much Dragon Ball in my life that reading more Dragon Ball is like, sometimes I want to take a break from it. Like when I get on Twitch and I'm not playing Dragon Ball, like watching Dragon Ball stuff, I like to, once in a while we'll talk about it, but if I'm playing like Super Mario Land or whatever game, Donkey Kong Country, let's talk about classic games. Let's not talk about Dragon Ball. And like, you know, it's just, I have a lot of interests, you know, um, and, and Dragon Ball has been so important in my life for seven years. Sometimes you want to take a break from it. It's like if you work at McDonald's and you get that. I used to work at McDonald's. That smell of the fries. You never want to eat there again. Yeah. That's how I am with Dragon Ball. Like, I love Dragon Ball. I always will. But I can't talk about it every day, even because I already do, but not every hour of every day. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I totally get that. Even making a once a week podcast for an hour can be a little daunting sometimes when you're specifically just focused on Dragon Ball. Like you got to branch out to other shit occasionally. Uh, Two quick, I guess the first one's not really a question. Uh, Super Mario World, that's probably my favorite video game of all time. I've played really? that video game so many, like, it's, yes, core memory in my life from the time I was four. I go back and replay it once every few years. I do the whole thing. I do the quick cheat to go from, uh, like, World 2 to Star World to Bowser's Castle, Star all that World. shit. I actually, yeah, for the love, first time, just recently beat, like, that the black world, the tubular world with all those. Oh, the, the, the bonus levels. Yeah. Yeah. I recently just beat that for the first time in the last, I don't know. I say recently, but in the last like five years, but come on, I beat that when I was a kid. It took you that long. Yeah, dude. I, I was not that good, I guess. <laughs> no, but, but I love that game. And I'll tell you this. My favorite video game of all time is actually a game related to that one. And that's legend of Zelda link to the past. Like, I feel like when it comes to super Nintendo games, the Mario and Zelda entries, it's no different than Game Boy. The Mario and Zelda entries are usually in the top 10 every time. Same thing with original, because think about original Nintendo. Super Mario Brothers, Legend of Zelda. You had the Mario and Zelda serial. You had the Mario and Zelda cartoon. Those are like Nintendo's top two characters. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Link to the Past is my favorite. I kind of want to play it right now because I, I, I'm like you. I can play that game a million times and, I, and it never gets old. Yeah. Um, so good. I just wanted to point out the classic game talk for a second. Super Nintendo is a big uh, other fandom in my life. Two, I don't know if this is accurate or not, but I know that I'm guilty of it. I don't watch a ton of anime. I am very familiar Same. with Dragon Ball, watched it Same. a million times. My Hero Academia is like the only new anime that I'm very much up to date and caught up with. And then like Ranma One Half from the mid 90s was I like. I love that show. Very underrated show. Very favorites underrated. of all times. So those three I know a, a lot about. Other than that, though, when people recommend me new anime to watch, same. I'm just like, eh, maybe I'll get to it. I don't know. It doesn't really pique my interest. But you're, you're sort of in that same boat. It's good to hear for me, at least. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I am. And it's not that. I mean, I love a lot of anime and I've watched a lot of my life, like the older ones. But getting into a new series is difficult because as an adult, you only have X number of hours in a day and there's things you got to do and there's responsibilities and yeah, it's, it's not easy. And I'm not one of those guys. I'm not really a big TV person, even though maybe I should be. What I mean is I'm more of a movie guy. I like going to the movies two hours. I'm done TV show. We're talking about like 10 hours, 20 hours, a Commitment. lot more. And then video games can go up to 60 to 80 hours. And so now as I'm an older guy, I tend to appreciate shorter stuff a bit more. You know what I mean? Because it gives me more free time. 
So. Yeah, and it's just more digestible, you know? I don't want to have to watch 23 episodes of an entire season of a show to get from the end of season four to the beginning of season five or whatever it is. Um, But as we come up on the end of our conversation here, I know we just talked not smack it's our opinions on what if scenarios right yeah no i'm not, and again i'm not trashing the videos no. i'm just saying it's not what i'm good at it's not what same, i do same yeah. here I'll, I'll totally trash the videos and that i just don't care for that sort of content masako is the man i love him to death but my well, question- some of them are terrible <laughs> oh i got you some to change your opinion real terrible. quick man no no no. some are i'm not saying all yeah. of them some or of the, them or the premises are- of them are it's like why'd you even bother yes. making this not him specifically but anybody who does what ifs it's like what what made this particular what if idea pop in your head and why did you feel it was important enough to make it a whole video about um right but let's do our own what ifs though for dragon ball super god damn it please let next month be the end of the granola arc yeah what do you want to see for the next as we come up at the end of the conversation here uh you've been very um be, um you've been very generous with your time so i want to say thank you for that yeah what, what would you say the next dragon ball arc is in your perfect world man what do you want to see after granola yeah i mean i've been saying it for years sadala it's got to be sadala it's got to <laughs> be it's got to be goku and vegeta going to planet sadala and training kale Khalifa, and kaba to be uh kaba to be better fighters and then something can interrupt the tournament so i don't know I, I, that's what i've been wanting for a long time it's been teasing dragon ball super a lot and the idea would be you de-emphasize Goku and Vegeta as fighters and you emphasize them as instructors. And this is kind of going to be a prelude to Oob, where Goku and Vegeta can go to Planet Sadala. They can meet new Saiyan characters. They can create two teams of five or two teams of like seven or whatever. And they have like a little mini tournament. They train each other not to kill, just to train. Yeah. And then as they're having this matchup, some evil force shows up for Universe 6 and they all got to get serious. That is, it's not even that hard. I just came up with the premise right there. That's what I would do because then it's, you're not having Goku and Vegeta fighting. They're teaching, they're training, they're, they're giving their knowledge to somebody else uh, for the next generation. And, and it's, it's, it's a bit of a break from what we've had. And I prefer that. Or I would like it if, and this is something they kind of did with Moro, but then they stopped doing. I want a villain to be like a, uh, like a wizard type of villain where he uses like magic and things that aren't strength based to kind of hurt Goku and them. And then you have to beat them using your brain, like something that's, that breaks the convention of I lose, I transform, I get stronger. I want to break that cycle. It's been going on for too long. You can go back to that later, but for now, give us a break on that. That's what I would like. That's just me. I mean, that's what I would personally like to see. Yeah, I think you just hit the nail on the head, man. We all know that the creators of Dragon Ball want there to be more Saiyan characters involved. Well, in the Tournament of Power, you went out of your you went out of your way to establish that there is a whole other planet of them in a universe that is now accessible to you. What are we pussyfooting around for? Let's get the fuck over to Planet Sadala, meet that king. And I love your idea of them training, like because that's one of the cooler dynamics between meeting the new Saiyans versus our Saiyans. I'll call them our Saiyans. Right. Is that yeah. They're so much more like adept at fighting advanced with their transformations and their knowledge of themselves and their own biology like why not send those two over to that planet and you know help them train up that'd be so cool to see um, right i like it. and maybe when they're gone something can come to earth and then uh gohan and piccolo have to be the, the heroes again there then you use everybody i mean that's what that was that's what i would do man something like that something that's different than the granola arc you know 
Yeah, the granola arc, the repetitiveness of it has been so exhausting. Like right after I got used to them beating the shit out of the, each other, the three of them, Vegeta, Goku, Granola, it's like, hey, here's gas. Now let's add a fourth person and have them all kick the shit out of each other again because you're not already sick of it. 20 effing chapters, man. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Well, like you said, we're close. I don't know if it's going to be next month, but I think in the next two to four months, the latest it's going to end is November. And I only say that because it's going to end this year. We know that for a fact. It's, it, it, we have a new arc coming. It's just a matter of when. Hey, wasn't there a uh, moment at the beginning of the year? This was before the superhero um, delay was announced, but I could be wrong. Wasn't there some sort of indication at the beginning of the year that this arc was supposed to wrap up by like the springtime, early to mid spring? And then it wasn't obviously because it's August and we still haven't seen the end of it, but. Uh, no, I, no. What happened with that is Akio Yoku said that the arc was ending this year. That's what he said, 2022. People, a lot of people assumed it was going to end before the movie came out because they were going to like finish the arc. Then the movie, you watch the movie, then we get back to the arc. But and I was telling people, I was like, that's not going to happen. Because the, the arc and the movie are, be, are two totally different projects. The manga and the movie are totally different. You know, the movie coming out when it did was to satisfy the non-manga readers, both in Japan and internationally. What people don't understand is that the manga is not distributed anywhere near as much as the anime is for Dragon Ball. So, like, other countries and most of the fandoms in those countries don't really read the manga. Even Japan isn't that into the manga. They're really not. The anime is where it's at when it comes to Dragon Ball. Now, if Toriyama were to come back and do something new, like manga-wise, it's a different story. But right now, the way things are, that's why, and I've talked about this as well, that's why you haven't seen Moro or Granola or Gas in any of the video games. You would think, why aren't we seeing them in Dokkan? Why aren't we seeing them in Fighters? Everyone's in Dokkan. Everyone's in Fighters. Why isn't there a Moro DLC for Dragon Ball Z uh, or Dragon Ball Fighters? Because... Until the anime adapts it and the whole world learns who they are, people, I mean, I think they can get away with it a little bit, but they don't see it that way. You know what I mean? So uh, the cartoon, the anime is going to be used to promote everything else. The anime will promote the movies and the games and so on and so forth. So um, I'm just saying that because that's, uh, the, the, I'm just saying that I'm, it's a long-winded answer because People thought that the manga was going to end in April. And I was telling them, I don't, it's not a guarantee. It's possible that the, that the Granola arc was going to end, but I didn't think it was a guarantee because this story has nothing to do with the movie. The movie's like years later, if we're yeah. following the timeline correctly. So yeah, I thought weird, that, man, people get I, confused on this. No, and I don't know if it was like a bad translation or somebody just putting their own ideas onto it and delivering it as fact, maybe is what it was. Which but, happens a lot. Yeah, no, because yeah. you're not the only one. There's a guy in my Discord named JD with the degrees, and he's been talking about, oh, it's going to end in April. And I was like, dude, there's no guarantee. Yeah, and there you no, go. It, it definitely wasn't. I, I could have sworn that whatever I saw implied that it was going to be in the spring. So I was thinking like April, May, the Toei right. hack happens. They decide to delay things a little bit further. Uh, I figured that they got, a, and especially for those months that we're talking about, like they felt like filler chapters, man, like just characters beating the crap out of each other, big splash pages, lots of violence, not much narrative going on. It felt like filler stuff, but uh, getting back to what you said about the anime being like the main product to kind of drive everything. This is how we'll wrap the conversation right here. 
January 2023? I don't know. I can't give you a month because I have no idea. Like the yeah. 2023 thing, it's funny. The 2023 thing is something that I've talked about this. So I'm not like, I'm not like, you know, I'm not saying something I shouldn't say, but like, I've never been a hundred percent sold on that, on that year, because like I was told by somebody who I trust literally last year, 2021. Oh, well, the anime is going to, the anime will come back after the movie, the movie's next then the anime, not right after, but after. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. 2023. And I talked to DB to DBS uh, hype about it in January. And we were talking about Xenoverse 3 and the rumors there. And then I brought up the 2023 thing. And, you know, that was the end of it. I wasn't going to do a video on it coming back in 2023 because there was no, there wasn't enough. I wasn't convinced enough that it was fact. You know what I mean? I didn't know for sure. But then a friend of mine spoke to a Dragon Ball Super writer. I didn't talk to this guy. It's a friend of mine. Has communication with a Dragon Ball Super writer. And he said that Super the anime will return after Dragon Quest wraps up and after Digimon. Either, either both of them or one of them has to end. So whenever that is will indicate the return of Dragon Ball Super. But I don't know. I can't, I don't know about January, April, July. I, I couldn't even give you a month. So I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I I don't think January, it's gonna be in January because they would have announced it by now. I think if I was a betting man, it would be the summer or the fall because of the fact that. It's probably going to get announced at Jump Festa if it even gets announced. I'm not really going to cover that topic too much because hmm. I just don't feel confident enough that it's going to happen. You know, there's no guarantees. But then other people who, who have good sources, very good sources, were coming out saying, no, it is 2023. So I'm like, okay, well, it is. Yeah. What do I'm going to tell you? I, I mean, mean it, it's tricky, but this is all tricky because I don't know. You know what I mean? No, I agree with you. It, no, how could you? I mean, we're not in the room at Toei making these decisions or, or like being a fly on the wall. I would earlier in the year I was betting for an October comeback, hopefully, because if you look at the Same. announcement after Fakatsu No F, and then you look at to when the Super came back in July of that year, it's about right. a three to four month. Granted, that's what fucked them was yes. that they did it with so little ramp up time. It was like six to eight weeks tops ramp up time. And that's what gave, I think forced them into the decision of storyboarding out the two movies into the first, whatever, 20 episodes of the anime. So it was pretty frustrating from that perspective. But now, though, the movie's out. I was hopeful for an October announcement. I think now that we're in August, it's way too soon. I think October is out of the picture. I right. would think January, but you just said something that gave me pause and that Jump Festa uh, would be the perfect place to announce it. We Which is December Jump the 18th. Fest. Exactly. It's in December. So... December for a January announcement. I mean, that would be an amazing Christmas gift, but I just don't think it's likely. Could be, it could be, it could be, be April. December for April. Yeah, right, right. I mean, I just don't know because the, the Digimon show that's in that time slot, like it's still going. So until, but but there's rumors it was going to end in, in September. So yeah, Dragon Ball coming back would make sense there, like you said, but I'm not really sure. I know that Dragon Quest Die is almost over. They're in the last arc. So so That's Dragon Quest Die, they have a lot of the animators that are expected to work on a new Dragon Ball series, and then a Digimon lot of has them. the actual slot. What's your call on the style for when the series comes back? Do you think they're going to stick with the CGI superhero stuff, the simple stuff from the Broly movie, back to who did Shintani take over for in the movies? I'm drawing a blank on his name. Yamamoro. Yamamoro, thank you. God oh, damn. yeah, the one everybody hates. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. he's sticking with heroes. He's sticking with heroes. I don't really know what the style is going to be because there have there has been talk that 
the 3D style is like something they're going to they're going to like um, at least like, you know, study and work with in the future. That doesn't mean that everything coming out is going to be in that style. I personally hope that it is Shintani, um, like Shintani character layouts and, and like his style. But Kubota, who directed the new movie, is really good. Like he's he did one punch man. So, I mean, he's very talented. I hope it is classic 2D animation. I really do. And to be honest, I hope they don't adapt any of the movies. I hope we just get to the new stuff right away. But like you said, they might want to adapt it in order for everything to flow as one as one thing. I don't know. I, I genuinely, because I, I heard they were not going to adapt Broly, but that, I heard that literally like three years ago. That's probably old information by now. Yeah. Everything changes multiple times. So we'll see. I mean, that's. I don't like talking too much about it because I can't make predictions. They're so unpredictable nowadays. They really are. Like they really are very hard to figure out. All in the pursuit of the almighty dollar, my friend, or the almighty yen, I guess in this case. Yeah. Um, and plus they want to like honor, like, you know, they got to give Toriyama, they got to put his name on everything. You know, it's yeah. Yeah. It's going to make money no matter what. So yeah. Money printed machine. When the government of Japan gives your studio money, like, hey, here's $10 million. Go make me a Dragon Ball movie because it's good for the economy. That's when you know, like, you've got literally one of the greatest IPs under the sun. Like, top right. list, right? Top 15. And that, happened, that happened to Battle of Gods. And Battle yeah. of Gods was the first Japanese-produced IMAX film ever. Like, oh. before Godzilla, before Ultraman, any of that. Battle of Gods was the first Japanese IMAX movie in 2013. We were doing IMAX movies in 2008 and 9. Uh, uh, they didn't start till 2013. And usually they're ahead of us, but they, uh, it was, it's, it's interesting. It, 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 it's, it's a big deal, I think. Yeah, man. I'm excited to see what the future of Dragon Ball holds for us. Uh, fingers crossed for the end of the Granola arc and the return and of an anime for soon. It to be, and for it to be good. I want it to be good. Because if it's not good, like, there's two different aspects of me. There's the creator and then there's the fan. And the fan doesn't give a damn as much as I used to. Like I, I after Broly, it was just like I cover it because it's my job. But if it ended to, like as a fan, as a fan, this thing should have ended with Battle of Gods, honestly, because that was the perfect return movie. Farewell to the story. And that's it. As a creator, though, you know it's it coming back is going to be very favorable to my bottom line. However, um, as a human in between those two dragon ball, super helped introduce me to a lot of people uh, that I became lifelong friends with. So that's something I'll never forget. Plus no matter which way you slice it, it's going to be fun to like watch the show and then talk about it right after. That's something that I really do miss, even though it was a lot of work. And that'll be cool to do again. So, hundred percent, man. And that's uh, what I'm looking forward to. Uh, forward to as well with the return of the anime is just having something new to talk about each week. I mean, that's how this podcast started. Just me and my buddies grabbing some beers on a Sunday afternoon, watching Dragon Ball together, hanging out, and that's the dream, man. Hopefully, uh, when the anime comes back, we can have you back on to break down some episodes. For sure, and I really hope too. I really do hope that. Because Dragon Ball Super was so nostalgia heavy. But I feel like they've already taken every rabbit out of the hat. We've seen Frieza come back. We've seen Cell kind of come back. We've seen, um, 
you know, Trunks came back. They rebooted Broly. They've done all the nostalgia grabs that they can possibly do to get everybody reinvested. From now on, please give me something new. My favorite thing about Dragon Ball Super is Ultra Instinct. I love the Bruce Lee, you know, influence style. I, and that's, to me, it's my, 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 my favorite aspect of Super. And I really like, you know, the Pride Troopers and the lore opening up, right? That's all good stuff. But the execution, that's where it's, you know, yeah. questionable and debatable. But uh, I just feel like I want the series to do new things and to move forward instead of, you know, just being just just more nostalgia shit. I don't want any more nostalgia, man. I want I want to focus on, on continuing the story, you know? Yeah, I don't need to see Vegeta sacrifice for a third time because it already ruined the first time, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i don't need to see him as a bad guy either because he was a bad guy at the beginning of z he was a bad guy's manja vegeta he was a bad guy's baby vegeta he was a bad guy's potafu vegeta enough <laughs> enough we get it he's still kind of evil jesus yeah he has a dick side to him but guess what we all do as well he's popular for a reason is Very he true. your favorite character He's up there. You say you change your mind. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely go back and forth. I mean, Future Trunks, man, when I first saw him show up and slice Frieza down the middle after having sat through that Frieza arc as a kid, I was like, who the hell is this badass? He just made the last arc look like nothing. But, you know, Vegeta and that chip on the shoulder, like sometimes that kind of attitude can bring you places in life if you utilize it in the right way. And I've always identified with that part of his personality. Right. And I've, I've always tell, told people, and a lot of them don't understand. But Vegeta in Dragon Ball Z was very, very beta. Like, you know what I mean? He and that was the that was the point, though. That was the point. People say that, oh, he kills people. That's not what makes you alpha. He was literally living in Goku's shadow because he wanted to. And then finally, at the end of the series, when he says that Goku's number one, that was his character coming full circle and, and arcing. Then in Super, he's more of a, of a father figure. He's he's. He's less hateful of Goku, like of Wayla. He even admits that he needs Goku to set the bar for him. So, like him accepting Goku's role in his life and making himself better—that's the right way to be an adult. And I like—I really do enjoy Dragon Ball Super Vegeta. I think people always, oh, he never wins a fight. He takes L's. Well, first of all, he didn't lose to Broly. He beat Broly in that movie. He beat him up, and then Goku stepped in. He didn't lose to Broly. They both lost later, but that first fight with Broly, Vegeta was winning. So he didn't look like a jobber in that movie. And Ultra Ego is a chance for him to get, you know, some shine, but he's never going to replace Goku. Like, this idea of him being the main character is never going to happen, but I think he does have a role. But I hope that going forward, they come up with creative things for him to do and not just be, like, the other main character, which is pretty much what he's been since super started really especially yeah. starting with with the universe six arc starting from there and on he's been number two behind goku every time goku all the way through the show shit gets old man yep i agree they gotta do new things man so we'll see hopefully they will fingers crossed well gonna do it for this episode of dragon ball super dope geekdom 101 emperor big d danny man i appreciate you taking the time today and uh please come back to the show soon man love to have you and just so everybody knows, Emperor Big D is not some kind of egotistical nickname about my phallic uh, size. Uh, I, I actually don't have a big D. I have a pretty average sized. Uh, well, my ex said it was, uh, what was the word she used? She said it was. Adequate. Uh, no, she didn't say adequate. She said uh, uh, sizable, which 
I've never had anybody ever tell me that. But sizable it, could mean, I mean, you, things could, could be, be sizable anything. in a small way too, man. She might've low-key burned you on that. I got to be honest though, all the good Dragon Ball back and forth we just had, I did not ever, ever in a million years expect this conversation to end with a thing, a comment about your dick size. That's about my dick. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm just letting everybody know it has nothing to do with that. <laughs> Big D is a nickname I got in seventh grade and it just stuck. I actually don't even like the name that much because everybody thinks I'm, I'm, everybody thinks, oh, he calls himself Big D. I don't. I was given that name in seventh grade and it stuck. A lot of nicknames people have are from childhood, you know? It's true. But people are assholes without thinking whatever to come at you. And I am not gloating about my dick size because my dick ain't very big. I just Seven. wanted to say that seventh grade he was a big guy named danny d That's for sure right. big d what I, up dude yeah i was overweight most of my life i'm now i'm at the lightest weight of my life and i'm very happy about that but most of my life i was a big guy you know and that's where the name came from it's not about my dick but the good news is that when i lost all the weight i could actually see my dick for the first time and i was very happy to become acquainted with it congratulations we're good brother. friends now bro we're good friends now. so glad but you anyways. got reacquainted with your dick i'm happy to hear that yeah, uh, man. Everybody should go through that. I get it. I get it. Yeah, maybe one of these days uh, I'll lose my dick to some girth of like my stomach, not the girth of my dick. I used a weird adjective in all this thing, huh? Anyway, I can still see my dick. Girth. That's the point. <laughs> Definitely Good. an interesting capper to this conversation. Uh, Danny, I appreciate your time, man. It's going to do it for Super Dope. You like Dragon Ball Podcast? Make sure you rate and subscribe to Dragon Ball Super Dope. New episodes every week. And that's gonna do it. Super dope. Da -da 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 -da. Yes, sir. Geekdom was just on my show.